Well, well, good morning, guys. Uh, my name is Gray, and I get to serve on our Hunt Club team, and so I am thrilled to be here with you, whether you're online, one of our campuses, or, or here at Lincoln Road. Uh, I'm excited uh, to get to share with you, and, and I've really enjoyed uh, the series that we've been in, and uh, just the, the idea of, of God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And, and in fact, as the more I think about that and, and dig into the people that we've looked at and we've talked about in their stories, man, it, it is literally from cover to cover that God takes people that, that, that are imperfect, you know, uh, that they're not superheroes, they, they, didn't, they weren't born with any kind of superpower, uh, they're, they're just kind of your, your average folks, your ordinary people, and, and he does extraordinary things in them. Even beyond that, it, you see people that, that have like brokenness in their life. And, and you see people that the world has overlooked and God, God says, no, I'm not gonna overlook you. In fact, I'm, I'm, gonna, be the, I'm, I'm gonna use you. And so, man, I just find, I find so much hope in that because at times in my life, I feel really broken. At times in my life, I feel really ordinary. I don't have any superpowers. Uh, and, and so when I see God using these folks, man, it just, it encourages me. So I hope, I hope you have have found that same encouragement and, and understand that, that what God does through the people in the scriptures that he desires to do in mine in your life. And so uh, we're gonna continue that journey this morning as, as we look at a guy named uh, Gideon. And, and I don't know if, um, if you remember last week, but, but Pastor Clark, he talked about the decisions that we make and, and how significant they are, and, and that's kind of where I, I wanna lean in this morning is talking about the decisions we make in life. Because when I look back at all of their stories, there's something that's true about, about all of them. That's one of the things I do. Like when I see people doing something and they're doing it well, I wanna dig in, I wanna look, and I wanna investigate, like what, what is this person doing? Like if they got a successful family, you know, a successful husband, father, I wanna lean in and go, okay, what, what are they doing? And when I lean into these people in the scriptures that we've looked at, is that amongst the brokenness and the ordinary and the imperfection, there comes a point where they make a decision that God gives them an opportunity and then they, they step into that opportunity and then they continue to make a decision. And so this morning we're gonna be talking about decisions because the thing that, that Pastor Jeff said last week, he said that, that our life is really the, the sum total of our decisions. Now I don't know if you, you know, have spent a lot of time thinking about that, but depending on where you are in life, that can, you know, you can walk out of here with a, you know, with your chest up or you can walk out of here with your head down. But the reality is is that when we get to the end of our life, you know, if we had the privilege to get to like the end of our life and we know we're checking out the next day and we can look back and we can see, you know, all the things that we've done, we can see who we've become, we can see all the things that we didn't get to do, we can see all the things that are all the, the, the things that we, that we wish we'd have done. At the end of the day, it comes down to our decisions. Man, decisions are powerful. And think about this. In regards to decisions, your life, your life is made up of, of three things, all right? Two of those you have zero control over. Right? The, the, the first one is, is your genetics, all right? You didn't get to choose how tall you were gonna be. Like you didn't get to choose the body type. You didn't, you didn't get to choose your hair color. Now I know women, 
like, there's some, there's some grace there because you can go to Walmart or wherever and, you know, like cinnamon 55, that's me this week, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, you, yeah, I know you can, you can choose your hair color, but, but don't ruin my analogy. Uh, but, you know, but you didn't get to choose that. You know, I'm 5'9". I've been 5'9 for 42 years. I've been praying to God for 42 years to help me grow three inches taller. And, and, and it, it ain't happening. You know, I, ju I just want to be six foot. You know, and uh, I'm tired of doing this. And, and so, um, you know, my neck hurts. And so, uh, I, but, but God didn't ask me. You know, when, when he was forming me, he was like, hey, boy, what, what you thinking about height? Uh, six foot, six two, somewhere in there, I'd be good. Nah, five nine, there you go, <laughs> right? He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't ask me. Then there's, there's our genetics and then there's our environment. You know, and, th and this, may, this may, you know, awaken some things inside of you. Like you didn't get to choose the family you were born into. Right? You didn't get to choose mom and dad. You didn't get to choose if, if, if dad was gonna stick around. Like you didn't get to choose it. I mean, well, think about this. You didn't get to choose not only the city or the state, you didn't get to choose the country. You didn't get to choose the economic status of the family you were born into. Like you have zero control of your environment when you come into this world. Two thirds of our lives, we have zero control over. But then there's that one third, our decisions. And man, our decisions can trump all kinds of things. In fact, there are people that are born into, into situations that are, man, that are at significant disadvantages, but because of the decisions they make, man, they're able to, to rise above that, right? And then the flip, the flip side is true. There are people that are born with all the resources and all the opportunity, but man, they are just boneheads. And their decisions have put them in a position that, that they, may, they may never recover from. See, our decisions have incredible power in our life. You can say it this way, our decisions determine the destination in life. Again, when we get to the end of our life and we look back, we can go, yeah, man, I was born with this and I was born into this, but man, what did I do with my decisions, with what I had control over? I was thinking back about decisions because when you talk about decisions, there's always regret, right? I mean, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you guys have some regrets. And I was thinking about some decisions that I could share up here that I regret. And, um, and there weren't many, there, but there was, there, there was one when I was in college and uh, I, my friends and I, by my lead, uh, I was, and I need, to, I need you to know that I was following Christ at this time and no alcohol or drugs were involved. And, 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 and I don't even know if that's gonna help you in your perspective of me or not, actually. Uh, and, and so uh, we had this idea that, that we were gonna jump the train. We we're at Jones, we we're gonna jump the train in Ellisville. It you know, just comes by, we're just gonna hop on and we're gonna ride, it's a perfect plan. We'll just ride it to pedal. Yes, just ride up the road. Man, we hopped on and, and took off and man, that train did not slow down and pedal. Mm -mm. And man, it was, and, 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 and students, this, is so, this was so stupid, okay? And we had finals the next day too. And, um, and so it finally slowed down enough somewhere headed to New Orleans, uh, like an hour when it crosses over 59. And by the time we got back to our dorms and had breakfast, I mean, we just rolled right in to our finals. But I can remember being on that train as I saw at the time, I think the Pedal Pizza Hut was still open. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, this is, this is a bad idea. Like if, you know, this is, this is, this is stupid. And, and you know, the, the worst part about that story is once I was safe and, um, 
and had taken my final, I called my older brother and uh, I said, hey, Adrian, man, guess what we did last night? And he said, what? I said, we jumped the train in Ellisville, just like you did when you were at Jones. I've been hanging on this for about seven years. And he's like, great, I didn't do that. I was lying to you. <laughs> I was like, dude, like, I didn't have, like I almost died. And, and we have those moments of regret, but here's the deal. I, I bet, I bet we could swap stories all day. I bet we could swap stories all day. And there may be some funny ones in there, but man, when it comes to our decisions, I bet there's some stories, man, that they hurt. There's, there's, there's regret. So our decisions are so important. But when we look at all of these people in the scriptures, they all came to a point where they said, you know what? Whether it's the, the invitation that God has given me or whether it's the opportunity that's provided by life circumstances, they stepped into it. They made a decision. And we're going to look at Gideon who made four key decisions. And all four of these decisions, listen, whether you're a Christ follower or not, all four of these decisions you can make. Now, as a Christ follower, I believe there's a deeper level, there's a deeper purpose. But if, if you're here because somebody promised you lunch, one, make sure they take you somewhere to good, you know, good to eat, but, but you don't, don't check out on me. Because these are true for you as well. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Judges chapter six. That may not be a book that you've read a lot, but it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, um, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. And let me just kind of give you the, the history right now. Uh, the Israelites have been rescued from slavery. That was Exodus. Uh, they, they spent some time in, in the wilderness. A whole generation died in the wilderness. And they have finally stepped into the, the promised land. And as they stepped into the promised land, the Israelites have a problem that we have too. And they, they really don't follow God wholeheartedly. You know, they, they dabble a little bit and they drift a little bit. And there's places where they're just absolutely defiant against God. And, and so throughout the book of Judges, about 320 years, uh, God would allow these other nations to come in these foreign nations to come in and to bully them, to oppress them. And in that process, the, the Israelites would go, oh my gosh, man, we need God's help. And, and they would cry out to God and then God would send a judge. Now this isn't like a judge with a gavel, but like a, a deliverer. And, and to kind of give you a point of reference, uh, if you've ever heard of Samson, you know, the big strong guy with the long hair who had a thing for women, you know, she, he let him cut her hair and cut his hair and he lost his strength and it cost him his life. That guy, he was, he was a judge, all right? And so th that's kind of the, the area that we're in, in, in the scriptures, in the story of God. And so he, Gideon is there and, and he has this opportunity. But in this opportunity, because Gideon is not only like we would say ordinary or imperfect, but Gideon is, is scared, he's defeated, he's insecure. And by the time we get to the end of his story, man, he is, he is a victor, he's a general. But, but there were four key decisions that he made. And so this is what I want to do. Instead of reading all of his story, I'm going to tell it to you real quick. I'm going to hit the high points. And then we're going to go and we're going to start at the end. And we're going to rewind. And then we're going to hit pause. And then we're going to zoom in. And we're going to look at these four key decisions. So we're going to be working backwards. So Gideon's story opens up in Judges chapter 6. He is in a, a wine press uh, sifting wheat. And the reason you need to know that is because you don't sift wheat in a wine press, okay? You sift wheat out in the open air, usually on top of a hill, so the wind will blow the, the trash away, the stuff you don't want, and the seed falls to the ground. But he's underground, basically, or in a cave, because a wine press was usually dark and cool. He's underground because he's hiding from the Midianites, 
All right, so he's fearful, right? And so he's, and if you guys have allergies, just imagine the spring, you know, when all, I mean, could you imagine just, just sifting wheat where there's no airflow? And it was, it was a, a disaster. And the angel comes to him and says, hey, God wants to use you to, to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And, and Gideon's not about that. He's like, you got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm weak. My family's weak. And, you know, not, not, not interested. Well, through several conversations, Gideon finally makes a decision, steps into what God has for him. He goes out, he recruits this massive army, 32,000 soldiers. At the same time, the Amalekites, they're recruiting this massive army. Like, I don't know if you remember the days of George W. Bush, but like, like the Amalekites have their axis of evil, the Amalekites and the, the Midianites, they had all the ites. And so um, they had them and, and then God comes to Gideon. He says, hey, listen, all right, it's time to go to battle. And this is why once you take the battle, once you take a trumpet, a jar and a candle. It's really a torch, but I like to say candle because it's more dramatic. And, and he's all, you're gonna go and you're gonna fight the Midianites. And, and lo and behold, he rolls off to battle with his trumpet, his candle, and his, and his jar, and they defeat the Midianites and the, the Milikites and all the ites. But in that, there were four key decisions. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Judges. We'll actually be in chapter seven is where we're gonna start working back. And the fourth decision that Gideon makes is that Gideon is willing to do hard things. Now, now hear me out on this. So, so he has 32,000 soldiers. God comes to him and says, hey man, you got too many. He said, go to your soldiers, tell them if you're scared, say you're scared and go home. Gideon does that, 22,000 up and leave, okay? He's down to 10,000. God says, hey, Gideon, you still got too many soldiers. And this is what we're gonna pick up in verse four. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. And so, uh, and then he goes on, he says, with that 300, that's, that's who you're taking to battle. So he's now going to battle with 1%. And the idea is, is he said, take them down to the water. And those that like get down on all fours, their head down, they're not paying attention. Don't take those to war with you, okay? They'll get you killed. They're not paying attention. But the ones that bring the water up and they keep their eyes up, that, that's our crew, right? And that makes sense, except that there's 300. Right? And, and, and so he goes to battle. Most of us, most of us would have been like, all right, God, I'm out. Like, did you forget you found me hiding in a cave, destroying my, you know, my allergies while sifting wheat? Did you forget that you found me there? You, you've convinced me that I'm gonna be this general, but now you're telling me to go against all these nations with 300 men? And Gideon didn't. And in our life, there are gonna be hard decisions. Listen, if you're gonna move in your life, if you're gonna move from an ordinary type of faith to extraordinary, if you're gonna move from, from being defeated to, to victory, from being insecure to, to being secure in who God has created you to be, if you're going to do that, you and I, we're gonna have to make hard decisions. You can say it this way, that very rarely is, is the, the right thing, the wise thing, and the God thing, the easy thing. It just is what it is. And we can gripe and moan about it, but you'll stay in ordinary. I, was, I had a conversation uh, several months ago with a friend of mine who had made a lot of boneheaded decisions and found himself in a, in a bad spot. And he made this statement and, and it was one of those statements, I'm pretty good about filtering my words, my face not so much. Um, my wife tells me all the time, hey, you need to check your face. And, uh, and, and I had to do that in this moment. And, he said, man, I just, decisions he made, he said, man, I just, need a, I just need a miracle. 
I was like, no. What you need to do is decide yourself out of the, the situation you decided yourself into. Like, we don't need a, a miracle. Now, is God going to walk with you through that? Absolutely. And I love this statement. If you go to bed praying for a miracle, if you go to bed praying for mountains to move, you better be prepared to wake up next to a shovel. Because God is going to walk with you, but you're going to have to do some hard things. And so Gideon was willing to do hard things. The third thing, again, we're working backwards, so you don't think I don't count. I can't count. I did grow up in Perry County, though. The third thing... <laughs> Uh, Gideon dealt with his stuff. Judges chapter six, this is what it says, verse 25. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of its height. So he has accepted the role at this time. And, and then he says, hey, listen, Gideon, if I'm gonna work through you, you gotta let me work in you. And the reason I say he dealt with his stuff is because stuff really divides down into two things. Number one is the sin in our life. Like, he's like, if, if you got to go tear down these idols, this is, again, Israel's history. We love God, but man, we'll come over here and do this. He said, you need to go tear down your father's idols. So this is the, the, the culture that he grew up in, worshiping these idols. You need to deal with your sin. We have to deal with our sin because here's the reality of sin. If we don't kill our sin, our sin will kill us. It will kill your relationships. Your, it will kill your spiritual life. For some of you, it will kill your physical life. Like sin will, will cost us more than we ever wanted to pay. I love, I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. And if you've never read this and, or if you're new to church, just hear me out because you may check out pretty quick. He says, if, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your leg causes you or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Man, then he said this, if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. Now, now Jesus isn't calling us to, to you know, amputate parts of our body. The point Jesus is making is when it comes to sin in our life, we have to be violent. We can't, we can't let it lay around. Gideon dealt with the stuff. The other thing that Gideon dealt with, and I don't think we can read past this, is that it said he, go tear down your father's idols. And when I think about that, I just think about childhood stuff. I think about our past. I think about trauma. And I think about how we run from that and then we don't wanna deal with it. But the reality is, if we don't deal with our past, it's gonna derail our future. It's always looking to make it, itself known. And listen, it is scary. It is not simple. You may need professional help and that is 100% okay. Join the club. You know, it, it, it's 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 gotta be dealt with. In fact, if you keep reading in this part of the story, it says that Gideon was fearful of his, of his family and he was fearful of his, of his community when he went to tear down those idols. But he did it anyway, he was willing to do hard things. We have to have a, a bison mentality. And you may not know what that is, but a bison mentality is simply this, is that on the central plains, there are two types of herd animals. There's cows and there's, there's bison. Cows, when they see a storm coming up, they run from it. And you just think about this, because cows aren't fast, at least not for long. And as, as they're running from the storm, the storm catches them. But can you imagine, I don't know if cows have anxiety or worry, but uh, it, can you imagine like knowing that's looming behind you? And I know some of you can, because the, that's the life you live right now with the things that are in your past. You know, and you're just like, man, when's it gonna catch me? When's it gonna catch me? And eventually catches them and they're exposed to the elements longer. They end up getting isolated, attacked by animals. 
The bison, on the other hand, when they see the storm coming up, they instinctively know that if they go into the storm, they'll come out sooner. They're exposed to the elements for a minimum amount of time. That's the mentality we gotta have. We gotta deal with our stuff. The second decision that Gideon made is he gave his life to a greater mission. Gideon, I mean, uh, Judges chapter six, verse 14 says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Guys, we live in a world in a culture that is, that is focused on self. I mean, it is. And I don't want to beat up on culture because culture is what it is. But we live in a culture that revolves around me. And, what the, and, and we serve a God and we have a Savior that says, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So, so our, our Father says, deny yourself the world says, make it all about you. And if you're gonna move from ordinary, if I'm gonna move from ordinary to extraordinary, I have to continuously make decisions that, that place me as, as a role player in something that is bigger than myself. Gideon gave himself to a, a greater mission. He accepted that mission. It would've been so much easier, but far less rewarding to sit in, in the wine press, sifting his wheat all by himself, letting the Midianites do whatever they wanted. But Gideon's like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna give my life to something great. This is why I love I love our church, leading people to know, love, and follow Jesus. It's our mission. And what I love about it, in the, in the, because the way we talk about it, it's not my mission as a staff member. It's, it's our mission, because it's the Great Commission, is that you have been called to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And my favorite part about Venture Church, uh, obviously I love the mission. I, man, I get fired up about the vision. I wanna be a church for the unchurched. Man, that, that fires me up. I, I, want, I, I want people that, that aren't here to be here. And that becomes how we think about things. And, and if you've been in church for a long time, if you've been at Venture for a long time, you can go, well, hey, man, what about me? Like, I've been giving for a while now. You need to think about my preferences and my needs. But to be a church for the unchurched is to be a part of something bigger. And to go, it's not about me. It's about those that aren't here. And you know the best example of this? Is, is with those of you that have kids. We only have one son. Some of you have two, three. Some of y'all have basketball teams. I don't understand it, All right? Y'all must be selling crack on the side. I don't see how you afford that. But imagine if you had three kids and, and you had two that were safe at home and one has disappeared. Like, what, what do you do? Do you go, oh, I got a few more back at the house. I got a spare. No. Man, you flip the world upside down to go after that one. Do you still love these two just as much? Yes, but they're safe. And so my priority is gonna be the one that is in danger. There are people that are dying and spending eternity separated from, from God in a place called hell. And we get to be a part of giving our lives to something greater. The second decision that Gideon made is that he's, he stepped into it. He's like, man, I, um, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I can do it, but I, I'm gonna step into it. But the first, which is our last, but his first decision that he made, it fueled all the rest of them. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon allowed God to define who he was. 
Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior. He was a coward. He was hiding. And the angel says, mighty warrior. Now I can imagine if you, if you take from that moment now and we fast forward through these other key decisions that Gideon made, that as Gideon you know, stepped out of that moment and, and when the angel Lord said, hey, you need to go deal with your stuff, you need to go tear down your idols. He's like, man, I don't wanna do that. I'm fearful, I'm fearful. And he's going, no, 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 I'm a mighty warrior. I'm a mighty warrior. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You're not a coward. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You can do this. I can imagine that when, when he had rallied this huge army that he was so convinced that that, that was gonna be how he would get his victory. And the God says, brother, you got too many people. He's like, okay, okay. No, you still got too many people. I want you to go to battle with less than 1% of what you recruited. And Gideon's like, man, I can't do this. Don't you forget? Or did you forget you found me in a cave? And he's like, no, no, no. Who did I say you are? You are a mighty warrior. Okay, 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 God, I'm a, I'm a mighty warrior. I can do this. You can do this through me. I'm a mighty warrior. Over and over and over again, I imagine getting having this head and heart conversation with God. I am who you say I am. You define me. I am a mighty warrior. I'm not insecure. I'm secure. I'm confident in you, and that makes me confident in me. I am a mighty warrior. Because here is the reality why this is so important. Whatever defines you, we call that your identity. Your identity informs your decisions. And what do our decisions do? They determine our destination. I don't think Gideon makes those decisions if the angel of the Lord hadn't come to him and said, hey, mighty warrior. I think he tucks tail and gets out of there. You got the wrong brother. And here's the It may, it may be your pedigree. You know, some of you, you probably got a last name that when people hear your last name, they perk up. You, you could be a moron, but they're gonna listen to whatever you say just because of your last name. And you've allowed that to define you. Maybe, maybe it's people, it's your spouse. You know, whatever they say about you, that's what you are. Hey, moms and dads, let me tell you one that, 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 that's big for us. It's not our spouse, it's our kids how successful they are on the field, in the classroom. We let that define us. Find our, isn't that crazy? We find our identity in our children. Maybe it's your possessions. Stuff you acquire. Man, look what, look what all I've done. <laughs> the problem is inflation's real. <laughs> that stuff can change in a, in a heartbeat. Maybe it's your performance, men. This is mine, 100%. If I'm not gonna find my identity in Christ, you will find me finding my identity in my performance. The problem with that is, and hear me, that when you're successful, when you find your identity in your performance, your success goes to your head, and we call that pride. Arrogance, and listen, what you'll do, you'll look around and want anybody to be around you because nobody really likes to be around people like that. But then your failures go to your heart, and that's shame. And God hasn't designed anybody to operate in either of those two worlds. And the last thing that we might go to is our past. That's why we gotta deal with it. Because listen, for, for, for some of you, man, there have been some terrible things that have happened to you. Terrible. 
But if we don't deal with it, that then becomes our identity. And listen, the, the, this gets me, gets, it makes me angry. The last thing I wanna do or allow in my life is for somebody who has wounded me, who has hurt me, to continue to have control and power over me. I'm not gonna let that be my identity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn and run into that storm and I'm gonna deal with it and it may be hard, but I'm not gonna give them any more power in my life. So who defines you? Where do you get your identity? In the next few moments, our team is, is gonna come and sing a song with a chance for you to respond. And the, the, the song is, is who you say I am. And what a great question we ask is, is, is who, who do we say we are? Where do we get our identity from? Is it from one of those that we listed or is it from Christ? And, and listen, these are daily decisions, all four of these. They're daily decisions that we have to make. But listen, if you're gonna get your identity from Christ, if you're gonna allow God to define you, it begins with a relationship with him. And that's secure, right? That's in that moment. Then after that, it's, it's a continued daily choice. God, I'm, getting my, I'm gonna allow you to define me. I'm a mighty warrior. In fact, if you, go, if you have some time this afternoon, go pick up the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. The apostle Paul writes, and it's all about, it's all about our identity. He uses the phrase, in Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul says that we, who we are in Christ. He says that we are sons, daughters, saints, ambassador, chosen, heirs, beloved, friend, forgiven, redeemed, a new creation, free and justified. That's how God defines you. Not by your, you know, the family you were born into, not by your success, not by what people think about you. How about this? It doesn't, you're not defined by how you feel. And we could go watch Rocky and you're ready to go box. You're a terrible boxer. Just because you feel it doesn't mean that's who you are. And it's certainly not defined by your circumstances, but by who God says you are. So as, they, as, as our teams come, here's what I challenge you. Maybe you need to sit here and let the words of this song wash over you. Maybe you need to stand in the chorus is, I'm chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am. And you need to stand with a fist in the air and you need to beat your chest and say, man, that's what's true for me. I am who you say I am. Not what anybody else says. And maybe for some of you, you need to come down to our crosses and you need to write that place where you have placed your identity in, allowed to define you. And you need to leave it there as a statement to God I'm gonna keep allowing you to define me. Our identity informs our decisions and our decisions determine our destination. Let's pray. Father, God, just speak to us now. On all of our campuses, online, wherever, wherever people are, God, you, you speak uniquely to us, as uniquely as we came in. God, you have a word for us. Expose our hearts. But God, at the end of the day, regardless of the decisions we made, help us know that we rest in your hands as your son and daughter, justified, redeemed, chosen, free, a new creation. 
We pray these things in your perfect son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.